This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life? a podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 47. I've got a great show for you today. Craig McNeil is joining from the Pump Rules podcast to break down episode two of season seven of Vanderpump Rules. And then I've got some breakdowns of the Real Housewives of Orange County and Real Housewives of Dallas reunions. This is going to be the last podcast of 2018 for Is This Real Life? And I will be back in 2019 with some fantastic guests and a lot more tea. So this week in Spilling the Tea, we found out that Lala Kent had a girl-on-girl experience with one of her Vanderpump Rules castmates. She says that that girl one of her castmates, had a boyfriend at the time, and she has not opened up about who that was. This was, of course, she said, before she was with Randall. Very interesting stuff. Who do you guys think it is? In other news, Bethany Frankel's ex, Jason Hoppe, is poised to take a plea deal for his stalking case against her. According to the New York Daily News, he could have the case sealed and dismissed after six months of good behavior, but apparently Bethany is very worried about what would happen at the end of those six months. I have to tell you, I am so worried for Bethany. Jason has not let this divorce go, and he keeps dragging it out, and he keeps stalking her, and she has to co-parent a child with this terrorizing man. I... My heart goes out to Bethany, and I really hope that the courts are hard and tough on Jason because I do not trust him to stop stalking her. Even if he steers clear of her for six months, I guarantee you that at the end of those six months, he will be back again. And that is just such a frightening thought. Anyway, in some more joyful news, on December 20th, Watch What Happens Live is going to have a special called Oh Come, OG Faithful, with six original Real Housewives stars for a special holiday edition of Watch What Happens Live. They are Kyle Richards, Ramona Singer, Vicki Gunvalson, Nene Leakes, Bethany Frankel, and Teresa Giudici. I'm very much looking forward to this special edition of Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohn, and I'm sure you all are as well. Now, without further ado, let's get into it with Craig McNeil from the Pump Rules Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Craig McNeil from the Pump Rules Podcast. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me, Mandy. How are you? I'm good. So we are off to quite a start with Season 7. What are you oh, thinking? Absolutely. Uh, well, two things. First off, this is the first, or the earliest, I think, rather, that Pride has been featured in the season. I believe yes. in the entire series. Yeah, definitely. It's always like multiple you know, episodes in. Oh, totally. And the second thing is James is really off to quite a start this season. I've been hearing rumblings that he was sort of yeah. kicked out of the group and it 
was not pretty. Yeah, I'm not too sure about what's coming up. Uh, I just know that it's going to be kind of a rough ride for him. I mean, if uh, you can basically take his behavior in this episode as an indication of what's to come. And also, there's a lot of foreshadowing in the first episode. There's a lot of discussion about James's behavior, about James's difficulties with others, and not to mention, of course, the... I mean, of course to mention, the Jackson face chant that he oh, so thoughtfully yes. did. Yeah. I... <sighs> I love watching James on this show. I think he is sure. television gold, oh, but yeah. I don't think he's a good person. Right, right. Maybe it went too far. It might have gone too far, you know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, who knows what's going to happen. I'm very excited to see the third episode of the season. Because yes. Pride, usually Pride is wrapped up, I believe, in one episode. Now, they do sometimes do this thing where they give the impression that it's going to be a multi-part episode, but you really just get five minutes at the next start of the next episode. But I'm pretty sure there's a fair bit of stuff to come from Pride. So were you at Sir for Pride? I was. It was the first time I'd gone for Pride. I've been to Sir and um, the other restaurants a number of times, but this was the first time I'd been for Pride, and I was excited. Usually for Pride, I'd either been at... Uh, parties on the east side of LA or house parties and then for this year I thought you know what it's time we went to Sir. So my friend Alana and I, Alana who you may have heard on uh, I think at least one episode of the Pumpernels podcast last year went yeah. down there and it was a complete madhouse which you know is to be expected and but it was fun and there was all kinds of craziness people kept dropping glasses like every oh three minutes God. you hear another one they should one just do plastic just for that day oh 100% yeah exactly I mean I can't imagine how many glasses they had left at the end of the day. But uh, I went there, and I also had a strange encounter with James, as I, I detail on the new right, episode Right, where he, like, this. shook your hand and didn't let go? Yeah, like, he, he was in the mix of that moment when he's really um, popping off about how everyone's jealous of him and all that. So in uh, you see him walking with Jesse at a certain point when he's doing the walk down the street. So it must have been sometime after that that he had come back into Sir. And, uh, yeah, he was... Um, on one and very very animated oh my god i wonder like what goes through his head it scares me that he thinks he's like this amazing like super cool dj and everyone wants a piece of him and they're all making up lies like people yeah. don't just come up with lies yeah and also most times people are even if they're jealous of someone they kind of keep it to themselves in a way and they right. don't really they don't really exhibit the behavior that the other people are exhibiting and i think his boastfulness is well rooted in a deep insecurity because really does he think he he is that successful because yes he is successful like right he's on a tv show he's making a living from it he does uh, appearances he does cameo and you know god bless but when he says something about having the hottest party on robertson boulevard i mean those who are not, not familiar with West Hollywood, Robertson Boulevard is really not the epicenter of club scenes. Mm -hmm. So it's where Sir is. And um, that's about it, I think. I yeah. mean, maybe. <laughs> Robertson Boulevard, like all the boulevards in Los Angeles, are incredibly long and go on for miles and miles and miles and miles. But as far as I know, that might be the only party happening on Robertson Boulevard at oh that my time. God. So therefore, to say it's the hottest one is a little bit of a stretch. Well, he... You know, all narcissists, it comes from a place of, like, deep insecurity. And, sure. you know, you yeah. never feel you're good enough. And so you have to hear from everyone how wonderful you are. And you have right. to state it over and over to tell yeah. yourself. But deep down, you know, you're never going to measure up. And it's it's sad to watch because it's more fun when someone is just, like, thinks they're awesome. Like right. a lot no, of totally. the housewives but he, sure. his comes from a dark place, not from a place yeah. of like an ego. It comes from like a scary, dark place. I was going to say, when you compare him to Sandoval, now Sandoval loves being himself and he brings light and happiness most of the time, you know, in general, to the situations he's in. He helps to make a party better or wants to make sure, sure everyone's taken care of. He doesn't go around saying, I'm Tom Sandoval, I'm amazing, they're all jealous. You know what I mean? Like, So there's the contrast there, I think, between the two types of uh, feeling good about yourself. You don't have to be uh, so negative to feel so good about yourself. Right, and speaking of feeling good about yourself, I'm loving Katie being so body positive. Same she here. is 
fantastic. I think she yeah. looks amazing, and I think it's because of her attitude. You know, it's Absolutely. not just about, you know, how much she weighs or anything like that. It's like it comes across that she feels comfortable in her own skin, and I love it. I love it, too. And truly, inner confidence and belief in yourself does radiate outwards. So um, that is a major part of anyone's beauty package. Well, what's been interesting for me to watch is the new friendship between Kristen and Lala that seems to have formed in between the seasons. Because they seem to be super tight. And they're talking about how James steamrolls through everyone in his path. Now, I'm wondering, are Kristen and Lala actual friends, or are they just bonding over a mutual hatred of James? My theory is that that was the gateway to them actually becoming friends. Because as far as I can tell, Lala is really good friends now with Katie, Kristen, all. And of course, Katie's uh, issues with Lala certainly didn't endear Kristen, or rather endear Lala to Kristen, you know? So... They're, Kristen and Katie are such close friends. You know, when one of your close friends is having an issue with someone and maybe you're perceiving it as they're being attacked by this other person, you're not going to feel very warmly towards them. So I think the resolution of Katie and Lala's situation certainly helped that. Yeah, I like that. I think that, you know, they get along great. It's fun to watch. It's I like watching women empower other women and supporting them and just, you yeah. know, people who are secure with themselves. Yeah, I, definitely. I actually like Kristen when she's self-righteous, even if it comes across totally weird because she did all of the same things that she is yelling at James for doing. Sure. But then there's the other thing, too, where people can't be punished forever. So, you know, she's speaking and also she's speaking from a place of knowing what that behavior is and knowing what it does to people and knowing what it feels like to be the person who inflicted that kind of pain on others. Right. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. That's a really good point, Craig. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's one of the things I love about the show. It it really offers up a lot of uh, examples in practice of people going through something, people growing, and then being on the other side of something and being able to apply that knowledge and wisdom, if you will, to others and other situations. Now, speaking of wisdom, I feel like Tom Sandoval is full of wisdom, but sometimes... I think he needs to just step back and realize that no matter how much he tries, he can't help James. And I I wonder if we're going to see him come to terms with that this season, because throughout this episode, he's kind of like, you know, talking to James. He has um, him and Ariana go to James and Raquel's for dinner. You know, like he's trying to kind of mentor him and tell him, you know, no, you know, dude, it's not cool when you rap about Jackson faith and, you know, don't do things like that and stop sabotaging yourself. And then when James was having a full on meltdown, um, after, so let's recap what happened. So Kristen and her quote unquote friend, hope, no idea if she's actually friends with hope. But Hope is friends with James and Raquel and claims that for the last two years, she's been sleeping with James, including a time at Coachella when Raquel was just like in the same room or like in the next room. That's right. And so um, Hope and Kristen confront Raquel, James's girlfriend, who's never spoken until this season. Yeah. And tell her all of this. And so James, then she confronts James and then he loses his mind. So as he's losing his mind, Tom Sandoval's like, hey, guys, you know, he's like really triggered right now. What? Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) Well, it's really hilarious, uh, him telling, and as I said in the episode, um, him telling a bunch of ladies that James is triggered. Like, no one gives a shit because James is a trigger. I mean, at one point he tells James, you know, you really are like a white Kanye because you fuck up shit and then you have to apologize. And then two months later you say fucked up shit again and you have to apologize. And I think people are getting tired of it. Right, exactly. It's a bit of the boy who cried wolf, but with apologies. And his apologies, to borrow a term Ariana used, his apologies get more tepid with time. He doesn't even seem to put that much effort into his apology to Jackson Brittany. Yes, he gives them a gift, and that's nice, and he's making an effort, but not that much of an effort because he has a very perfunctory tone to what he says to them. Yeah, I don't think he feels bad about it, and that kind of scares me. I think maybe he doesn't know how to feel empathy. 
and maybe that's why he does what he does because I don't know but does I think he is someone who can get hurt because we've seen him in the past be really hurt I think he is so hurt by Lala stopping being friends with him and I think it is fueling so much of his behavior I I think that whatever empathy he has he pushes it down and does get overly distracted by his hurt well past the point of its expiration date, you know? Um, and also neglecting to take his own responsibility for whatever way the bridge burned. Because with Lala, it's clear that he's the reason why they're not friends anymore. It's the, his behavior, how he treated her, what he said to her. And she had given him many, many opportunities to just be cool, to be normal, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, when they talk about Coachella, in addition to his apparently sleeping with Hope, he was baiting Randall, you know? Mm-hmm. There's no need to do that. He's n- unable to control his insecurity or anxiety, and so then lashes out. And what happens with that is that people just get sick of it. And w- who's to blame them, you know? So he needs to sort of figure out that he, his popping off on people has a direct consequence. Yeah, what did he say to Randall? It was something like, oh, we all know each other inside and out. Like, yeah, like, uh, everyone knows they slept together. You don't have to remind people of it over and over and over. Oh, it's it's so, it's in such poor taste. And, it is. And you know what? He already knew, especially from last season, that Randall is, like, a, the one thing that is, like, sacred to Lala. You do not exactly. mess with her man. Not her says. man. <laughs> no. Not Which my man. gets no, no, annoying. No. Like, I think she got used to saying my man because she couldn't say Randall. And now yeah. she can that the divorce is final, that his divorce. Yeah. Yeah. So just engaged, say Randall. Or they got engaged, yeah. But, they're you know, engaged. whatever. Yeah. I think that she is in such a good place for someone who has gone through such tragedy. I'm so Certainly. impressed with her. I really yeah, feel yeah. like she's like processing her grief she dyed her hair i feel like that has something to do with it like i'm not gonna pretend to be all blonde and you know carefree like i've been through some shit and you know she's she's doing well for herself and jacks too i mean watching him come back from his father's death and really take time to appreciate britney and to acknowledge what he did was wrong and also to acknowledge that it was okay that when they were broken up that she slept with her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. It's a big step for Jax to not hold that over her head or make mention of it all the time. And I'm happy to see that because I feel that he has actually had a massive shift in his life with the loss of his father. And understandably, you know, a lot of the gang are not not, uh, suspicious, but rather a little reserved in their joy about the union. But I think everyone is feeling like he has changed. And as Kristen says, it's not just the way he treats Brittany. It's the way he treats Stassi, Kristen, all, uh, everyone. But they also are ones that showed up for the memorial service. That's true. And, and also, I think that maybe impacted him to a degree that, you know, life is finite and that the ones you love, you can't keep abusing them because they'll go away. Mm-hmm. Not that there was that situation with his father, but... The, lo- the massive loss. And right. I think that that had a lot to do with his, um, I won't say redemption, but his um, new perspective on life. Yeah, I told you this. I don't know if you remember. In January I do remember. Of last I do year, remember this. Yeah. I felt like everyone thought I was crazy. I was like, Jax is going to change. This is going to change him. This is the only opportunity he has to like yeah. really hit rock bottom and reevaluate right. every life choice. You know, I remember you said that, and I thought it was a very interesting observation and quite apt. And uh, it's borne out to be true. Yeah, I didn't think you were crazy, by the way. I <laughs> <laughs> well, I told some other people. I was like, I'm telling you, like, I know we're watching this all play out right now on TV, but this happened months ago, you know, over the summer, the stuff with Brittany. And I yeah. bet you right now, him, him and Brittany are together, and he is, like, she is holding him together, and he will change. And also, when he talked about how, in the midst of all of their craziness that when his father passed, she really was right there for him and took care of everything. And uh, maybe that's what woke him up as well. Like even, Oh my God, I put this person through 
all this pain and he probably felt like shit, which is possibly a, a type of uh, emotional addiction that he has had and maybe still has, who knows, you know, that can always be transferred in other areas of your life. But I think that woke him up to the idea that, oh my God, as much as I tried to push this person away, she stayed by my side and it finally, not won him over, but it finally sort of cracked the code for him in that regard. Because I think deep down he felt that he wasn't worthy of unconditional love. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, which is a sad thing to see. And so hopefully, ideally, he does see that he's worthy. I think of so that. now, yeah. But yeah. I think that's why he like unconsciously, subconsciously would like push women away because he was sure. like, you know, he was afraid of that unconditional love that he felt like deep down maybe he didn't deserve because he was a bad person. He like painted right, exactly. himself out to be a bad person and your mistakes yeah. don't define you. And he let no, that's them. that's true. Yeah, well, he almost um, wanted them to. Yeah, it was so weird. I am like a big Jax fan and I, I've, I'm like big into his redemption, but he still has me blocked on Twitter. <laughs> I have really? no idea why. Well, who knows? Maybe there was one comment. I mean, you know, he is uh, hot on the trigger with that well, sort of thing. What I think he does is if someone says something and then there's like a reply and a thread and one comment in a huge thread is yeah. negative, he'll block every person on that thread. That's a good uh, theory. It makes sense. I mean, yeah, I could see that. He's, it's like, why shop for things one by one? Just get everything at once. Yeah. I'm not going to go. And. First of all, I would never tag someone if I was going to say something really rude. I'll only tag yeah. them if it's like funny or I thought they'd appreciate it. And for him, it's, you know, I have nothing against him. I don't know. I've been right, like rooting right. for him. Yeah. Like, Jax, unblock me. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my other thing that I've been really appreciating this season is Stassi. And sure. I feel like we've finally gotten that like, arc of her character and i know it's uh -huh. not scripted but she started off as like the blair waldorf gossip girl character she was right. playing a version of herself yeah. and i feel like we're finally seeing the real stassi yeah sure i agree uh, she's sort of uh, melted the exterior hard shell that she had as a protective layer and you know went through some bad stuff with patrick because she was still uh, unsure of certain things about her life i suppose and now also, she's with Bo, and even before that, though, we saw a funny Stassi that wasn't a mean Stassi. When sometimes people get this thing where they put on a character, not just on the show, but in life, where they feel like to be funny that they're going to have to be this mean person. Right. Or they have to be uh, a judgmental, know-it-all kind of thing, and which is what she was on the first two seasons. Even spilling into the third one when she left and then came back. When she came back, I feel she had her rock bottom right before that. When she was in New York and realized, wait, wait a second, I can't just push people out of my life, cut them off, and blame them for everything because I'm miserable. So I think this is the apex of her journey back from all of that. And I love it. Now, I'm wondering, are we going to see this kind of like journey from Sheena? Oh, I hope so. I, I mean... You know, Deanna was saying, your your co-host Deanna Spear, yeah. that she's met Sheena multiple times and really liked her and felt that she come across, came across so different in person than she does on screen. So, like, my hope is that Sheena also finds some, like, inner confidence the way that Katie has. Because I feel like so much of her issues are her insecurities, her insecurities about being single or, you know, yeah, even yeah, yeah. when she was with Rob, she was insecure like I need to keep him I need to have him I need to make it you know and and no it matter just what oozed yeah. out of her and it made her yeah. so unlikable because she also coupled that with this very unpleasant affect towards others you know right. very harsh and judgmental and snippy and uh, full of pissy comments she was like a one-upper and it's like girl <laughs> yeah that, that doesn't endear you to anyone no one likes a one-upper no one, no. And I don't know if that's her, like, natural state of being or if that was just her reaction to everything that was going on in her life. I mean, you know, she was going through a lot, and she was with Rob fairly quickly after the divorce from Shay, and whatever your feelings are on that, um, <clears throat> a divorce is still a tumultuous time. It's just, right. you know, any kind of long-term relationship that breaks up. 
there is, you know, shrapnel and detritus to clear for at least a year. And she was still going through that. And I think maybe plunged too hard too quickly into this thing with Rob and also wanted to make it the perfect thing, which I think is the common thing. People want things to be the perfect fill in the blank that this is going to be the absolute. There's no flaws here. And that also lended itself to her maybe being a little too nasty to people. Totally. Now, speaking of being nasty, nobody is more nasty than James. We've seen this. He was trying yeah. to fat shame Katie. Sure. He's yeah. yelling at Lala. He is like kind of dismissing his girlfriend who's yeah. approaching him and saying, there are allegations of you cheating. This keeps happening. Why does this keep happening? Why is it right. the same story over and over again? And I was so interested to see the interaction between Lala and Raquel because I feel like Lala knows where all the skeletons are. Yeah, definitely. She knows where the bodies are buried in James's mm. life. And sure. she basically said, girl, like, wake up up yeah like come on you cannot be this dumb right. <laughs> you know she's like i'm not dumb it's like well why are you with this guy and right. asking him if he's cheating on you he's cheating on you people are bringing you evidence i'm telling right. you i've hung out with him and hope when you were at school yeah exactly yeah she very much is very plain with it and just like says like I've, i know it's been going on i've seen it i witnessed it Raquel doesn't want to accept that. And then, obviously, it's a very hard pill to swallow. But, it, you know, maybe take in a little bit of the um, vibe that you're getting back from James when he's not even being that apologetic. It's just doubling down on the idea of they're out to get me. Don't listen to them. They're whores. They're stupid. Which also, when he gets into that, it's just he's so full of misogynistic comments that it becomes like, wallpaper you don't even notice it at a certain point you know he's calling the bitches whores and then the fat shaming and all that stuff it's just not a very pro-woman diatribe james is not pro-woman he spit at Kristen. he spit on her door like yeah. that is disgusting the fact that that could even come from you that that's where you would go to and in, in a place when you were angry just yeah. shows the contempt that you have for women but what yeah. I thought was almost like borderline emotionally abusive was when while she's confronting him about the cheating, he is like looking at Jax and Brittany and he's like, don't you think I want to marry you? Like, you know, Jax, oh, yeah. don't you think I want to do that too? Like, I, I want to get there. I And it's like, whoa, now you're bringing out something that you know that she wants from you instead of addressing the concern that she has. You're like, right. it's like a bait and switch. You're like bait manipulating her. Exactly what it is. And also it's, um, yeah, preying on the person's either insecurities or desires, which is grotesque. The notion of dangling something in front of the other person as if that's to blind them or uh, from the issues at hand. You're right. It's emotionally abusive, you know, and it, it's, it's kind of gross to see all that in one interaction. Like, it was within one minute he did all of yeah. those things. And and it also, like, it reminded me a bit about whenever someone says, oh, people are out to get me. Like, yeah. To me, that's like, oh, you're guilty. Right, right. Unless it's a very specific, uh, you know, well-documented situation, right? People are expressing their ill feelings about themselves that way. It's it's what a lot of celebrities or politicians, oh, they just, it's my, you know, I mean, even with Bill Clinton, that's what he told Hillary. He was like, oh, all my like political opponents, they just want to take me down. Yeah, no, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you did. Yeah, you, no. You did some shit. Yeah. You did some shit. And, yeah. and it's every time. I can't think of any situation where a man or woman has said, oh, they're out to get me. And that's yeah. been the case. Ever. Right, right. Yeah, it's a pretty it's good It's a terrible defense. <laughs> it is a terrible defense. Also, um, he rolls his eyes when she looks down for a second. He makes a big like, oh, God, why do I have to deal with this shit kind of face? Instead of, you know, being concerned about Raquel's feelings, it's more no. an irritation to him. Like his day has been disrupted from the super party that he thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, one interesting thing is I saw on Twitter that Billy Lee commented how she thought it was inappropriate that Kristen tried to create all this drama at Pride because Pride is supposed to, about, supposed to be about the LGBTQ community and yeah, not yeah. about causing drama. 
Now, do you think she's just trying to insert herself in the narrative that she's clearly been written out of? Uh, I mean, it, it seems like <laughs> one of those false flag scenarios to me. You know what I mean? Not to borrow anything from Alex Jones, but it's like, oh, really? That's your comment on it. Like, I don't know. The people still have their lives that are going. I, I don't even really. I don't know how to comment on it. Really, it's confusing to me. I don't really understand it. It's. Also, a television show. Do you not know that they are like filming a television show, and they're yeah, right. They're, they're dramatic regardless, but like, come on, the yeah. pride happens every year. There's some shit that goes down every year. You watch the show, you know. Like, why right. are you blaming Kristen? for when she chose to do it. It doesn't matter if it was Pride or if it was, you know, a See You Next Tuesday or a Thirsty yeah. Thursday or Thirst Thursday or whatever they call it. Like, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. And really, if you look at it in a tactical sense, what other situation would Raquel and James be at a thing where they're not, say, at dinner together or at a movie or at something where an event that they're going to is a, a, on a date or whatever? where Raquel would be there, anyone can go to it, so Kristen and Hope can go and talk to Raquel. Like, why is that not reason enough? Yeah. I just I just think Billy Lee uh, doesn't fit in with the group. She wasn't yeah. naturally friends with the group. And yeah. so, you know, it was tough for Lala. It was tough for James. It's tough for any new person to try and, like, become part of this group. Sure. But she is, like, going making her thing be like, oh, well, I'm transgender and I stand up for that. But no one's, no one's against that. Everyone seemed to welcome her. Uh, to my eyes, watching the show, everyone seemed, and knowing the people and what kind of people they are, everyone seemed to welcome her. And so I don't understand what the problem is. Right. Me neither. I, I think it'll be interesting to watch I, at how much she's actually on the show. Right versus like they just tried to put her on now one interesting thing i saw and it was like a comment on instagram this circulated a little bit a few weeks ago where a person who claimed to be faith's cousin Uh (laughs) said that you know vanderpump rules has a race issue they chose billy lee over faith and it's like (laughs) come on faith went to like the dark side she went to mtv there's they're not ever bringing her back um well faith also had sex with jacks which you know could be looked at as a way to try to insert herself on the show also right. they had faith on they filmed a lot of stuff with faith faith didn't make the cut i she mean did that's not just make what the happens cut. there's other people that, that that have been uh in the mix that we don't see on, in the end result because you know they only have so much time and if someone's not interesting they just don't leave them in Right. And so she was saying that that Jackson Faith had been hooking up well before Brittany came along in the picture and uh-huh. that Faith has tapes, not just audio, but videotapes of the two of them and that oh, she great. had given them to James as ammunition because she doesn't like how they bully him. Well, yeah, it doesn't seem to me that if that is the case, right, that she would be doing that. At his, at, 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 no, I'm saying like, it, if that's the case that, you know, she gave him the videos, I don't think that's out of any kind of altruistic um, impulse. No. I think it's certainly just to get herself in the show. So, you know, I don't think that the people who make the show like to foster that kind of dark, sinister um, manipulation. Do you know what I mean? There's enough actual real drama happening. Right. And they that, already had one, you know, revenge porn scandal with yeah, Stassi. Right. Like, this is clearly revenge porn if it exists. And sure. what an idiot to, to keep pushing that. Faith is completely should not be part of this narrative anymore on this show. No, exactly, because no one really cares and they're kind of grossed out by the naked ambition. Right. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. And <laughs> Faith, um, you know, Brittany won't even say her name, which I appreciate. Yeah, I, I dig that. I like when people disrespect someone by... Not saying it's like name, she's like, not oh. worth my time. We have gone well, past like when, this. That's uh, like when Obama was talking about Trump. He doesn't mention his name. Never says. He his just name. says. He, he, I love that. It's I like love the that because it's a ultimate very clear message. shade. Because it is, th- yeah. it's the people that seek their name yeah. all the time. It's like exactly. those kind. Like Faith is also a narcissist. There's, you know what? There's a lot of narcissists on television. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a like, breeding ground. For, I, at one yeah. point, I literally looked it up on the DSM-5 and, like, what the uh-huh. criteria were. Because I've done that a lot, like, while, you know, looking at what the president is doing. And sure. <laughs> I'm like, wow, these are, like, classic housewives, like, things that they say. Yeah. Like, you know, disproportionate rage to a perceived slight is like one of the top things and it's like this is crazy but you know people also like they want to be on these kind of people want to be on television and television attracts a certain kind of person now i'm wondering from you as someone that's like friends with a lot of the vanderpump crew like how do they deal with thirsty people that just want to be on tv and befriend them because of that as opposed to like really getting to know them and and being their friends in real life well they have a pretty good filter you know i mean people slip through every now and then but even if they slip through they expose themselves pretty quickly because one of the hallmarks of one of the people who are that thirsty is that they are so driven by their agenda that once they get past a certain safe point in what they perceive anyway as a certain marker in in a relationship then they start to expose the things that they want and then that becomes their main discussion topic their main goal they're always mentioning it and then usually design and also this i've seen this with other friends who are in the music industry you know the people just stop hanging out with them eventually because yeah. it, it it when you see it it's so gross it's really gross and it's a very specific kind of gross and I think once you've experienced it once or twice um, with people coming at you, if you will, in that way, you recognize it faster recognize and faster. Signs. Yeah. 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 So one of the people who seems like that, but they don't treat that way is I can't remember his name. The guy who was walking down the street with James when he was like after when, after he was angry at pride and he's like, oh, Jesse. That's Jesse yes. Yeah. yeah, is yeah. It Jesse Montana. Yeah, um, he's a very uh, friendly guy. Uh, he's friends with a bunch of them. I mean, he's I known know, but for he ages, seems so. so thirsty. He's always, like, on the sidelines when they're filming <laughs> and trying to get himself. Like, he was the one that told Brittany about Jackson sure. Faith. Like, if yeah. anyone were to tell Brittany that, it should not have been him. He should know that. He should have told one of her close friends to tell her and to right, tell her right. in a different way. And I felt that was that he wanted screen time. And he's always hanging around people, I feel like, for screen time. And I just want to be like, Jesse, it's not going to happen. It's been seven (laughs) seasons. You've been a server the entire time. And you've never become part of the cast. I don't even think he's in that, like, shoot where they have all of them, you know, where they put, like, every person and their mother and their dog and their boyfriend. And I don't even see if his, you know, even Logan made the cut. (laughs) So... I don't know. He he rubs me the wrong way just on television. Hey, sure. Look, we all have our feelings about it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was so good having you. Is there any insight that you'd like to give or thoughts that you have on what's to come and what we should look out for? Um, well, all I'll say is that you're going to be excited by the balance of drama and actually happy moments. Because Yay. there's a lot of new, um, not peace, but a general maintained sense of togetherness with a lot of the folks. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be fights. There always are. But the main thing is that, as the show always has delivered, it's going to deliver the same kind of unexpected twists and turns because that's just the nature of the group. You know what I mean? Like, we never thought that things could get crazier than, say, season four or five, but then they did. Or, you know, could Katie and Schwartz have gone this way and then that way? Oh, they did. You know, that kind of thing. So it's um, always forever changing and evolving. And I think that's one of the cool things about the show, which is why also I've been asked, don't you think the show is going to end at some point? Well, maybe, but maybe it'll go on for a really long time because we are just watching people's lives. And this group has, happens to have a lot of uh, interesting characters that interact with each other in an interesting way. Yeah. No, I think that it could go on for a long time because I'm watching them grow up as I'm growing up. And yeah, that's yeah. been really fun. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, myself included, you see things in your life reflected in theirs. 
whether it's to the same severity or not. But I think that one of the reasons the show is so appealing and so popular is that there are a lot of things that if you not learn from, you can get a perspective on that you can remember something in your life or a friend's life that was similar. So I think that there's a lot of seeing ourselves in the people and in whatever capacity that is, whether it's as mundane as the way that you deal with your friend when you're mad with your friend or something larger like a cheating scandal or, uh, you know, some kind of uh, grand embarrassment. Right. No, I totally agree. And even just watching Lala and Jax go through their grief, like is something that I relate to. And that's something that happens as you know, you age, you get older and things like this happen. And it's just really interesting to watch and to see people like in their real lives and their real struggles. Um, But it's also a lot of fun to watch them get along. So I'm looking forward to this. I agree. Well, thank you, Mandy. It's been lovely yeah. talking well, to you. Well, where can everyone find you in case in case people don't already listen to my favorite podcast, The Pump Rules oh, Podcast? Oh, why, thank you. Why, <laughs> thank you. Well, you can go to Pump Rules Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and then it's Pump Rules Podcast, available on iTunes, Podcast, uh, Stitcher, all of the places you get your podcasts. And also, I do a show with Katya from RuPaul's yes. Drag Race. Yeah, called Whimsically Volatile, which you can find on Instagram and Twitter at Katya and Craig. That's K-A-T-Y-A-A-N-D-C-R-A-I-G. And uh, we just won the World of Wonder Award for Best Podcast, so we're very happy about Amazing! Congratulations! Thank you you very much. I'm very, very happy with it. And I love working with Brian, which is Katya's real name. We've known each other for years uh, since we were both back in Boston. And it's been really a pleasure working with him. And then for me, my own personal um, Instagram and Twitter is at Videodrome Disco, which is V-I-D-E-O-D-R-O-M-E, Disco, D-I-S-C-O, on Instagram and Twitter. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and have a great rest of your week. Thanks so much. You too. And uh, happy holidays. So on to recaps of The Real Housewives of the OC and of Dallas. So this week was the third reunion for The Real Housewives of Orange County, even though, as I've said before, I only think they deserved two at most since almost nothing happened this season. It starts out by rehashing everything that happened at Eddie's birthday bash when Kelly ended up dissing Emily's husband Shane, calling him a little bitch, and then Emily was like, why are you saying that? That's my husband. And eventually shouted at Kelly, I'm going to fucking kill you, (laughs) which was an amazing moment in Housewives history and makes me think that there really is something to Emily. And I think that there's a lot that we could see from her if they decide to keep her on. So this all happened because Shane called out Kelly for being drunk. Kelly was said she was not drunk. She probably wasn't. She just acts very uninhibited. And, you know, she's shouting at him, you're a little bitch, you're a wuss, you're a pussy. And Emily, you know, was like, stop doing that. And eventually it got into this very heated altercation. Now, at one point, Shannon steps in, Emily gets very upset. This is during the reunion. And it's like, I'm not talking to you. So you can tell that Emily just has complete disdain for Shannon. But that probably is because Shannon has shown complete disdain for Emily and for Gina. Now, at one point during the reunion, Kelly is saying that she actually felt threatened by Emily and thought, you know, said it's against the law to threaten to kill someone. And Emily, who is an attorney, explains to her that it's only a threat if the other person reasonably thinks that their life is in danger. And Kelly's like, well, I thought my life was in danger. I watch Snapped. I watch Wives with Knives. Have any of you seen the show Wives with Knives? I've never heard of it. It sounds like it could be on TLC, and I am definitely interested. It is absolutely hilarious that Kelly is like, who knows? I've seen all these crazy reality shows where people just totally snap. (laughs) I loved it, but I don't think anyone really thought that Emily wanted to kill Kelly, and they ended up, you know apologizing to each other. Uh, The ladies felt that Emily made excuses for her husband Shane. 
they said you shouldn't have to explain that your husband is sarcastic or funny. It should just be obvious if he's sarcastic or funny. But, you know, he did come across badly, and I think Emily knows this. But Emily also points out that, hey, you know, if you and I are friends, like, don't call my husband names. And the women agreed. So there's that. Then they did a quick montage of Vicky's ridiculous outfits in Jamaica, including the entirely see-through black sort of outfit where she was shaking her booty and twerking and she says and I quote I didn't realize how ugly it was until I saw it unquote and she means on tv so until she saw herself on tv she did not realize how horrendous her outfit was that was a pretty funny moment then we really get into some kind of dark stuff with Tamara and Shannon's friendship now, they definitely have a codependent relationship, but what I learned this week is that being codependent, you don't actually have to have two people be codependent. It's actually the characteristic of one person. And the kind of common themes of someone who is codependent are that they have a victim mentality. They're never wrong. They don't like new people. They're overly emotional. They always have to be doing things for other people, but letting everyone know that they're doing those things for other people. They don't listen. So it's like talking to a brick wall. They parrot words and phrases. So if you're like, you never listen to me, the person would be like, well, you never listen to me. And they have a lot of mood swings. So that definitely describes Shannon Bedore. So I think that she has a codependent personality. Now, Eddie, throughout the season, is telling Tamara that Shannon is exhausting, and she's exhausting you. And Shannon says during the reunion, I certainly didn't want to suck the life out of people. It's clear that she's very embarrassed for the edit that she got, for the things that her friends said about her on camera, but also it just shows that they did not feel comfortable saying it to her face because when they tried, she absolutely went berserk, which is something they spend a lot of time dissecting in this third reunion. And at one point, Shannon says, you know, I don't ask for people's time like I did of you speaking to Tamara, you know, how she called Tamara all the time during her divorce. And she said, I thought we were in a comfortable enough place to do that. And I feel awful. And she's really making Tamara feel bad for feeling drained by Shannon. Then they rehash everything that happened in Jamaica, where the women confronted Shannon about her behavior, suggested maybe she had depression or something else going on, and that perhaps she should go on some mood-stabilizing medication. Andy Cohen asks, you know, why were you so adamantly against going on antidepressants? And Shannon starts out by saying, oh, because it was done at a volatile dinner, it would be better in a one-on-one. But then we really get the true answer, and this was this was pretty shocking. She said, it sounds like you can't handle your life. Look at you, you're a mess. And Tamara, a light bulb goes off, and she says, is that something that David said to you? And Shannon answers, yes, all the time. And she starts crying and says, you hit a nerve. And it becomes clear that Throughout, you know, her marriage, she was told that she was selfish, that she was an alcoholic, despite giving up drinking for five years, and that she was crazy. And those were the three things that she was hearing from the women. So they were triggering to her, and that's what sort of set her off. Now, there is no excuse for how she behaved, how she didn't speak to her friends for 24 hours. I mean, you can't do that. When they're worried about you and worried about your life, you can't just not respond. That is out of the question. But it's clear that she wasn't in a frame of mind to be able to process what the women were saying to her and that the women were coming to her out of love um, and out of concern, although it didn't always come across that way. But, you know, they, Vicky, she really opened up. She said, after my divorce, I went on antidepressants. It helped me, you know, get my life together. It helped me be able to go to work. I was such a mess. And, you know, it wasn't a forever situation. But Shannon couldn't hear any of that. All she heard was the criticism that she had received during her 17-year marriage from David Bedore. 
Now, side note, I have heard a rumor that David Bedore and his new girlfriend, Leslie Cook, are potentially shopping around a reality show based on the two of them and Leslie's two young children. Now, that sounds absolutely horrendous. I do not know why anyone would want to watch these monsters on television. Well, I have no idea if his girlfriend is a monster. That's I shouldn't say that. But David Bedore certainly was a horrendous husband. He was definitely emotionally abusive. Okay, back to the reunion. Then we get to Gina's fight with Shannon. So this is kind of the night where all the ladies go through their issues with Shannon, which has pretty much been the entire reunion to date. Um, But this is the situation where after Jamaica, after that big fight, everyone was talking about Shannon's mental health. And Gina felt that... Someone should tell Shannon, hey, just so you know, your friends have been talking about your mental health, and this is likely going to show up on camera. Now, Gina claims that Shannon told her that she was having a custody battle, and she wanted to know if people were saying anything about her. And that's why Gina came to her after her surgery with Kelly and said, just so you know, people are talking about you. Now, Looking back, Gina realizes it was bad timing. She probably shouldn't have mentioned it at all, but she's claiming it came from a good place. I think that could be partially true, but she also wanted to stir the pot. I mean, she's a new housewife. She wants to make it for her next season. She has to kind of, you know, she's not able to show her divorce really on camera because her husband is not consented to being on camera. So she was throwing a Hail Mary pass. And I don't know, maybe it worked. So, you know, Shannon denies that she ever told Gina this. And Gina is so frustrated. And she just shouts, you're an open book of bullshit. During this time, it gets brought up, you know, the mental illness and depression. And randomly, Vicky says, depression is not a mental illness. Like, not even laughing, not smirking. She's completely serious. To which Gina responds, depression is a mental illness. That is like one of the most common mental illnesses in the world. Just because a lot of people have it doesn't mean it's not actually a mental illness. I mean, that's where stigma comes from. People don't want to acknowledge what mental illness is because it just sounds so bad. It makes people, oh, you must be crazy. But a lot of people have depression. So Anyways, this ends with Gina apologizing and saying, you know what? I got my heart broken too. I get what you're going through. Like, it's been tough for me as well. I'm going through divorce. I have three young children. You know, Shannon says, thank you for your apology. And Andy points out, it seems like you accepted your apologies from Gina and Emily, but you still hate them. And I think Shannon kind of agrees. She really does not like Jean and Emily, partially because they're new and she's very skeptical of new people in her life, and partially because she just didn't like them. Now, Tamara is worried that after this reunion that Shannon won't be speaking to her because Shannon, Shannon hadn't spoken to her since watching the episodes of Jamaica and the aftermath of that. Shannon does say, you know what? Like, I've learned a lot this season. Um, You know, I wasn't able to speak to you before coming here because I felt like Jamaica was a feeding frenzy. I was afraid to talk to you. I clearly have to work on listening and not icing people out. And she, again, reiterated that she heard a lot of these things in her marriage, that it was very triggering for her, but she's going to work very hard on her friendships with Tamara and the other women, but clearly not with Emily and Gina. So that concludes this season of The Real Housewives of Orange County. I'm pretty disappointed overall. I really thought we were going to see a fun Shannon that was finally free from David, kind of like we saw a really fun Kelly, and we could see them together kind of go out on the town, go out on the prowl, but that's not really what we saw. And the new women weren't accepted by the OGs, so they had to develop their own storylines, and that didn't work out so well. So I really think there needs to be some thoughts on recasting. I'm not sure exactly what the solution is. I've thought before, maybe keep, you know, three people that don't necessarily all get along, but that are great housewives and bring in new people so that there's no alliances the way that there were this season, where it was clear from the beginning that Vicky and Tamara decided they weren't going to argue on camera. So I, if I had to choose, I would keep Kelly Dodd hands down. 
probably Vicky and probably Emily because the three of them don't, they have issues with each other. They don't have alliances to each other. There's not going to be any weird sort of like truces or anything like that. But at the same time, I do want to see more of Sheena. She does feel like a breath of fresh air in a weird way. Uh, But I also think she'd be so good on Jersey and maybe that's more of her speed. But Alas, a season has come to an end, and we will see what they do about recasting. Right now, Callie and Vicky are hurling insults at each other on Instagram, but I'm sure they will both be back for the next season. Now moving on to the Real Housewives of Dallas reunion number two. So this concludes the season of Real Housewives of Dallas, which I thought was fantastic. If you have not watched it, I highly encourage you to watch it. Season three. So they start out on the couches talking about the pressures of having a quote-unquote name in Dallas society. And Deandra's talking about Cameron marrying in and becoming a Westcott and how the Westcots are a big name in Dallas society. And how she says that Cameron's mother-in-law told her that there's a middle lane and Cameron has to stay in that middle lane. Now, Cameron says, you know, that was just advice from my mother-in-law. Don't you take advice from people? Don't you take advice from your mom? And Deandra says, well, she doesn't tell me who to be friends with. And at one point during the season, Cameron's mother-in-law, Jimmy, mentioned, hey, Cameron had this friend who had a bad reputation, and I told her, you know, you can't be friends with this person. And it sounds like Cameron is no longer friends with that person. Now, Cameron fights back like, come on, you're your mother's puppet. And then Deandra says, you're the Westcott puppet. At this point, Stephanie appears visibly annoyed and says, you know, not to be rude, but like, if this is what we're worried about, like, come on, there are people who have no shelter. There's people with nothing. And some of the other ladies nod and agree. And Cameron agrees. But Cameron is spending her time, and so is Deandra, fighting about family names in Dallas society. And then Cameron says the most ridiculous thing. She says that she only used the word society once. I don't know if I believe that, but anyways. And she's like, I hate the word society. It has to stop. It's just ridiculous. One really interesting thing, and this was sort of breaking the fourth wall, is that Stephanie mentioned that she was sort of not part of Dallas society, but she went to a lot of charity events Uh, prior to being on the show and then once she was on the show people treated her differently they treated her poorly for being on the show and that was really interesting to hear it's definitely what i suspected people who are sort of quote-unquote true members of dallas society look down on being out on a reality show they would not air their dirty laundry that way so the fact that cameron and deandra are arguing about this is ridiculous then all the ladies kind of take guesses or give explanations for why Cameron is so close to Leanne. Some people think that she's afraid of Leanne. Uh, Brandy says you're her puppet. Steph says Cameron is just a very loyal person. Um, But then Deandra says a theory that I've been wondering. And she says, most people except Brandy, are afraid of Leanne because she has skeletons on everyone. She knows everyone's dirt, and she's not afraid to use it against them. So they're afraid to go against her because she might spill one of their dark secrets. And I've always kind of wondered this, because it seems like Leanne holds on to people's dirt and uses it as weapons and throws them when she feels like it. But it also seems like Deandra does that a little bit too, you know, bringing up stuff about Leanne's relationship and that rich had cheated previously and maybe is cheating now and seeing it to the camera in her confessional but not to her friend's face that was pretty dirty too leanne then mentions and this is such a dig that there are two sort of sides to the simmons family and that deandra she alludes is part of sort of the black sheep side and deandra is very frustrated at this and you know it's like how dare you talk about dallas society you're not even part of dallas society and cameron gets involved and finally carrie is like you guys sound like the most superficial bitches ever And Andy's like, I love it. (laughs) This is a great conversation. But it really is obnoxious. And all this talk of society is getting old. And I'm hoping that next season we can move on from it. Then there's a little segment where we talk about Carrie and her parents. And I couldn't understand why there was this 
recurring theme between Carrie and her dad not having that great of a relationship and her wanting to reconnect to her dad by visiting his relatives in Denmark. But she does open up and say that her parents are very conservative and that I think they seem to judge her a bit and they go months without speaking to her. That was pretty shocking to hear. That's something I wish I would have heard in her confessionals because I couldn't understand what she meant by we're not that close. I'm like, you're staying in your parents' house while your house is being renovated. Like, this is so bizarre. They also were upset with her because during the episode where the ladies are in Big Bear, Carrie forgets her swimsuit and decides to go in the hot tub naked. And apparently her parents were furious that she was naked in a hot tub on TV. Now, speaking of nudity, they rehashed the Baltic Sea nudity scene where some of the ladies swam in the Baltic Sea naked, including Brandy, who was topless, and Leanne was filming. Now, it came out that Carrie's relatives had told all of them in advance, please do not film on your personal phones. It's very disrespectful. Now, everyone's aware that there are cameras there because they're filming a reality show, But what Brandy pointed out is that they blur things out on a reality show on that tape and that the tape that Leanne is taking does not blur things out and that she's worried that Leanne would use it as a weapon later. There doesn't seem to be much of a conclusion reached on this. Brandy still thinks Leanne took it out of those videos out of malice. Leanne says it was not, she was not being malicious and she also still thinks that Brandy stole her phone. So that was just annoying to rehash because no one's going to change how they're thinking. Then we get into a bit about the Deandra and Leanne feud. And it starts out with Deandra talking to the camera basically about how Rich, she thinks Rich has cheated on Leanne. And I'm really glad that Stephanie, the voice of reason, stepped in and said, you know, it's really hurtful that you said that in a confessional and not to her face. And Deandra sort of agrees and says that Rich's ex-wives sought her out and said, you have no idea what you're saving Leanne from. Now, if this was all true, and I believe it could be, it would make much more sense for her to go directly to Leanne and tell Leanne, whether it's on camera or not on camera. I know they're filming a reality show. I know that both Leanne and Deandra are desperate to have a storyline. So she might as well save this and, you know, tell her on camera. But by going around in circles and alluding to it and not actually saying, you know what, I'm concerned for you. I've heard these things about Rich. I'm really worried. And that would have been a way better way to handle it. I'm sure Leanne still would have been like, he's never cheated, everything's fine, but then you gotta let it go. Then they go into the most annoying fight of the entire season, which is when Deandra apparently mentions that she spent too much money and only had $200 in her bank account. Now, the most interesting piece of this argument is that Cameron, and I believe Cameron, I do not think that woman can lie, says that Deandra told her when they were in Denmark that Leanne gave her the golden ticket because of the $200 comment. America is going to eat it up because they can relate to only having $200 in the bank account. And that is the best thing that could have ever happened to her, that Leanne said this. Now, I believe it because I really believe that Deandra is obsessed with having a storyline on this show, and she was hoping to use this to kind of take Leanne down because she had issues with Leanne that I don't fully understand, but she definitely has these issues, and she wanted to find excuses and things to like poke at her for and to have some sort of righteous reason to be upset with her. Another thing that came out was you know, when they were talking about what Leanne had said about Deandra, where she alluded to Deandra having a drinking problem in the past. Deandra came clean and said, you know what, I did have a problem in the past, but it wasn't with alcohol, it was with cocaine. And that she went to rehab when she was 29 for three months. And she's very proud that she's clean now and that she kicked the habit. And Andy points out that, you know, both of you, Deandra and Leanne, say that you said these things out of concern for the other. And then he brings out Deandra's mother, Mama D, to join and to give advice to both of them, because it sounds like Leanne still has a 
relationship or some sort of admiration for Mama D and that obviously Mama D is Deandra's mom and maybe they both would listen to her. Now when she comes out, she looks amazing. Her outfit, I can't even describe. It's like blue and sparkly and she looks straight out of Dynasty and she has her purse with her and Andy's like, why? You've got your purse with you? And she's like, because I need to give my daughter her allowance. (laughs) Dee says that she heard when she was talking to Leanne, she really did hear alcoholic. Now, the tape does not show that Leanne used the term alcoholic, but that is what Leanne was alluding to. She was alluding to the fact that Deandra was drinking a lot with Brandy and she was nervous. And she was probably nervous because Deandra has had a history with abusing substances. Now, Dee says they lost a diamond when they were out collecting stones. She really thinks that Deandra and Leanne have a wonderful or had a wonderful friendship that they should salvage. They agree that to some extent, both of them, that the show itself has torn them apart. And Deandra says, looking back, I realized I didn't do the right thing. Now, Mama D says, all of you need to realize that you can't change the beginning, but you can start where you are today to change the ending. I really think Mama D is so wise, but I also think she's really rude to her daughter and can be really tough on her in an unhelpful way as as a mom. So I do take her advice with a grain of salt. Um, she does say that she would like Leanne and De- to be Deandra's best friend again, and she'd be more than willing to help mediate. But Leanne very wisely suggested that they would probably want to have a relationship coach, someone who doesn't know either of them. Now, the most annoying part of this entire reunion was when Andy asked the question, if you could have one do-over this season, what would it be? And none of them give a do-over except for Brandy. And the do-over isn't even something that I think Brandy did on camera. It's like she's apologizing to Cameron about something about a text message. I couldn't even follow. I wasn't even sure if she was apologizing about something that happened during that reunion. But the rest of them don't really actually say, oh, I would take back that I did X. And I think in a lot of the other Housewives shows, they really do actually say, "I would, you know, I wish I wouldn't have said this about your husband, or I wish I wouldn't have done that. And... I think that just shows that these women are newer to being housewives. It's a newer franchise. I think they have some growing to do. I really think that a lot of them mean what they say and have a lot of issues with each other on and off camera, but I think they are a great ensemble cast, and I hope to see all of them back for season four. So that's my recap of The Real Housewives of Dallas. So sad it's come to an end, but I'll be recapping Atlanta and Jersey along with Vanderpump Rules in 2019. Hope you guys had a wonderful year and have a wonderful holiday, whatever you celebrate, and see you next year. So that's it for this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe and follow on Twitter and Instagram at ITRL underscore podcast. See you next week. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.